We've been studying in the Gospel of John, and we've come to chapter 19, verse 30. And, and on this morning, I want to focus just on verse 30. We're going to just spend time right here. The text says, so when Jesus had received the sour wine, he said, it is finished. And bowing his head, he gave up his spirit. He's on the cross. There's been six statements in which he has proclaimed from that cross. And this is the sixth one. It is finished. The gospel, the best news that anybody could ever hear, was proclaimed from the cross by our Lord Jesus Christ. And this is of the most powerful statements ever declared. It is finished. Whether you believe what Jesus said in his sixth utterance on the cross is of utmost importance both eternally and practically in our Christian lives. For thousands of years, Before this moment in history, God had pointed the attention of the universe to this event that was coming. Everything in redemptive history was pointing to the finished work of Christ upon the cross. You picture mankind and all that has occurred and and the creation and the angels shouting for joy and seeing all of these things and this tree that's placed in the midst of the garden and it's this tree in which they're not to eat of lest they die. And they eat of it. They eat of it. It doesn't come as a shock to God that they ate of the tree. For he knew when he placed the tree there that man would fall into sin. And yet there was a plan from the very beginning to save us. Not only to save us, but to show us the character of our God so that for all eternity we would glorify him and exalt him. Praise Him. There's pictures throughout the Old Testament. Promises of a Messiah and a Savior. Prophecies that are given of Christ who's to come. That is pointing to this particular hour that is now occurring in John chapter 19. Each of the pictures became a reality. The promises became fulfilled. The prophecies had come to pass. You think of in the garden where Adam and Eve are there and they're hiding and they're, they're afraid. They've sinned. And God's going throughout the garden saying, Adam, where are you? Where are you? And you get a, a picture of them like just hiding. They're covering themselves with these fig leaves. And, and God comes and he sees them and they're covering themselves. He tells them, who told you that you're naked? And there's shame that's over them. There's sin that's over them. They've, they've, they've died spiritually at that particular time. And now God's there before them, and he, he takes away the fig leaves, and he takes animals, and he kills them. You can just imagine like everything that Adam and Eve are thinking as, as they see this take place as far as the skins being removed from these animals and, and just the horror of, 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 of seeing animals slain. They, they had not seen that before this particular moment. 
And he makes tunics for them out of these skins. Blood has been shed. An animal has been killed. A substitute has occurred so that they could be clothed, not with fig leaves, but with an animal that has been sacrificed and blood has been shed with those skins. And you, and you picture that just right at the beginning. And it is pointing towards, it is finished. It was all pointing towards the cross. It was all pointing towards Christ who was to come that was going to take our sin upon himself and shed his blood for us and to die upon that cross and become our substitute so that we could forever be with him. It was pointing to him. Cain and Abel both offer sacrifices. Abel's sacrifice is accepted because it's an animal sacrifice. There's blood that is shed. That that sacrifice was pointing towards Christ who would be there on the cross, bleeding from the cross, saying, it's finished. Abraham offering up Isaac, being there in Genesis 22 where God says, take now your son, your only son, Isaac, whom you love. Go to the land of Moriah and offer him there as a burnt offering on one of the mountains in which I shall tell you. And then, now, thousands of years later, Jesus is there on the same mount in which Abraham's offering up Isaac. Right before Abraham goes to offer his son Isaac to kill him. Abraham lifts his eyes and he looks, and there behind him was a ram caught in a, in, in a thicket by its horns. So Abraham went and took the ram and offered it for a burnt offering instead of his son. And Abraham called the name of the place, The Lord will provide, as it is to this day, the mount, in the mount of the Lord it shall be provided. All of that. It was pointing to Christ upon the cross. The Lord will provide. The Lord will provide himself a lamb. The Lord will make a substitute. The Lord will take his son, his only son, whom he loves, and he will sacrifice him there on that same mountain. We read in Romans 8.32 where it says, He who did not spare his own son but delivered him up for us all, how shall he not with him also freely give us all things? Who shall bring a charge against God's elect? It's God who justifies. God gave his son. God justified. God did this. And Christ is there upon the cross saying, it is finished. All that it was looking ahead as far as the tunics and the animal sacrifices and Abraham offering up Isaac, it was all pointing to this event. The tenth plague on the Egyptians and the Passover lamb where where God says take a lamb without spot or blemish. Kill it at twilight and take some of the blood and put it on the doorposts. And when I see the blood, I'll pass over you and the plague shall not be on you to destroy you. It was all pointing to this event. All of it was. A lamb without spot or blemish, the lamb of God, Christ, being killed at twilight. We see Christ saying it is finished right before he dies. The blood that was shed 
placed upon the doorpost. When I see the blood, I'll pass over you. And we wash by the blood of the Lamb. He passes over us. You think of the tabernacle and the ark and of the covenant and the mercy seat and the veil of separation that's there between them and the Holy of Holies. This event occurs and Jesus says, it is finished. And what happens? We see that veil that's there and it's rent from top to bottom, torn, a huge, thick veil, torn in two. And God says, that was a picture of what was going to take place. And now you're able to come and come before me boldly. You're able to enter into fellowship with me. You're able to come into the Holy of Holies because there's nothing that separates you and me anymore because it's finished. It's finished. Hebrews 10, 19, Therefore, brethren, having boldness to enter the holiest by the blood of Jesus, by a new and living way which is consecrated for us through the veil, that is, His flesh, And having a high priest over the house of God, let us draw near with a true heart and full assurance of faith, having our hearts sprinkled from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water. We're washed because it was finished. The veil's been torn in two because it was finished. We can enter into the Holy of Holies because it was finished. All that was pointing towards Christ who was to come, it is finished. All of the prophecies that were given of Christ who was to come. All the nations being blessed through Abraham, fulfilled. The Messiah coming from the line of Judah, fulfilled. The lion of the tribe of Judah, we see in the book of Revelation. The one who would reign on David's throne, fulfilled. Coming from the lineage of David, we see. The proclamation of the one coming before him, John the Baptist, fulfilled. Born in Bethlehem, born of a virgin, kings bringing gifts and bowing down, fulfilled. He opened the ears of the deaf and he made the blind see, Isaiah 29, 18, fulfilled. Riding on a colt, the foal of a donkey, fulfilled. Hating without, being hated for without a reason, fulfilled. Being betrayed by a friend, fulfilled. Betrayed for 30 pieces of silver, Fulfilled. Accused by false witnesses, Psalm 27, 12, fulfilled. Struck on his head, fulfilled. Being beaten, spit upon, fulfilled. Numbered with transgressors, fulfilled as he has a criminal on each side of him. His hands pierced, fulfilled. Soldiers casting lots for his clothing, fulfilled. His tongue sticking to the roof of his mouth where he cries out, I thirst, fulfilled. Being given gall and sour wine, fulfilled. Cursed is everyone who hangs on a tree, fulfilled. A new and everlasting covenant, Jeremiah 31, fulfilled. All of it, everything that had been pointing to Christ has been fulfilled. And he's there upon the cross, and he's there, and he musters up enough strength as he pushes up upon that stake to say his sixth utterance. And he says, it is finished. It's finished. It's finished. All that had been pointing towards Christ is finished. All of the prophecies will finish. All the types, all the pictures, all of it. Now it has become the reality and he is there upon the cross and it is finished. It's finished. But even more so than that, what's finished? We are forgiven of all of our sins. 
Our sins are removed. Isaiah 53, verse 6. All we like sheep have gone astray. We have turned everyone to his own way. And the Lord has laid upon him the iniquity of us all. The Lord has laid upon him the iniquity of us all, the sin of us all. It's finished. Your sins are forgiven. Your sins have been paid for. Ephesians 1.7 says, In him we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins, according to the riches of his grace. Through his blood. He's there upon the cross and he's saying, It is finished. All of the sin is removed. All of it. We are reconciled with God. We're forgiven of our sins. We're reconciled with God. Colossians 1.21 And you, who once were alienated and enemies in your mind by wicked works, yet now he has reconciled in the body of his flesh through death to present you holy and blameless and above reproach in his sight. You've been reconciled with him. Have you ever had it where you're at odds with somebody? They won't forgive you. You won't forgive them. You do this. You don't even want to be in the same room with them. You don't want to be with them ever at all. And then maybe something happens where the hearts are softened and someone says they're sorry and there's reconciliation that occurs. Brothers and sisters, we we, we were so far from him. There was sin that covered us. The wages of our sin was death. Our sin was so heinous that not only could we not approach him, not only was there a veil that was separating us, but we were bound and set to spend eternity in hell. Weeping, gnashing of teeth. Separation that's so great that, that, that for the unbeliever, it is impossible for them to ever see the glory of God, ever enjoy Him, ever be in fellowship with Him. And it tells us that as Jesus is there saying, it is finished, there is a reconciliation that has occurred in the body of His flesh through death to present you holy and blameless and above reproach in his sight. May we not hear something like that and not be moved at all. Holy. You who were the furthest thing from being holy, made holy. You who were the furthest thing from being blameless, made blameless. You who were The furthest thing from being above reproach in his sight, made above reproach in his sight. When he said, it is finished, it is the best news that we could have ever heard. It's finished. The ransom was paid in full. The debt was paid once for all. Christ paid the eternity of what we, or the entirety of what we deserved. All the wrath of God that we deserved was placed upon Christ. Not just a little, 
Not even most of it, but all of it. All of it. It's finished. This is such an amazing declaration. If, if you and I were in hell for 10 million years, no, rather, if you and I were in hell for 10 billion years, Go as high as you want to go of being in blackest darkness where there's weeping and gnashing of teeth, where the fire isn't quenched, where the worm cannot die, an everlasting fire separated from the glory of God, being there where we're just in anguish, pleading with someone to even put a drop of water upon our tongues. If we were there for 10 billion years, suffering in the most heinous way that anybody could ever possibly suffer, we would still not be able to declare it is finished. You would never, ever, no matter how much time you had ever spent in such a horrific place, you would never be able to say, it's finished. It's done. The price has been paid. It's over. Never, ever would you ever be able to say that. And yet Jesus there hanging upon the cross says, it is finished. It's finished. We've been redeemed. Titus 2.14, he gave himself for us that he might redeem us from every lawless deed and purify for himself his own special people, zealous for good works. You've been redeemed from every lawless deed. Purified. Every sin that you could ever have committed or ever will commit. You've been purchased. The price was paid. It was finished. It was finished. You've been justified. What took place when he was upon the cross? You were justified. It was finished. Romans 3.23, For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God, being justified freely by his grace through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus. Justified. The act of God pardoning all of our sins and making us acceptable in His sight through the righteousness of Christ imputed to us by faith alone, by God's free grace. You've been justified. How does this practical for us? What does this, does this mean to us? Why does it matter? Because if, if you're sitting here this morning and, and you're saying, well, I... I think that I'm going to get to heaven. I, I, hope, I hope so. But in your mind, there's something that is there in which you have been brought up with legalism and law and something placed upon you in which you're always wondering, did I lose my salvation here? Have I, have I done enough things? Did I commit the unpardonable sin? Have I done something that, that, that's so great that it, it will keep me from heaven? Is there anything that, that more that I need to do? I'm, I'm saved by faith, but i got to do my part too. i got to meet him halfway. And so in your mind, this is what you've been taught. In your mind, this is what you're thinking. In your mind, there is a law that's over you that just says, you've got to do, you've got to do, you've got to do. Here's all the things that you have to do in order to be okay. And I tell you this morning, you're free from that. It's finished. 
The price has been paid. Are you so foolish having began in the spirit? Are you now trying to make yourself perfect in the flesh? God asks. You began in the spirit. Now are you trying to perfect yourself? Are you trying to do something to earn favor with God? Here it tells us, we've all sinned and fall short of the glory of God. But you're justified freely by his grace through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus. Without sin. Without sin. Without any of it. Christ fulfilled the entirety of the law. When he's there upon the cross and he says, it is finished. We think of Matthew 5.17 where it says, Do not think that I came to destroy the law and the prophets. I did not come to destroy but to fulfill And so you think of your life, you think of all of the good things that you think that you do, and you look at what God tells us in his word as far as, here's the commandments, obey them. Here's the Ten Commandments, obey them. And you look at all of the commandments of God, and then you get into commandments like, love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind and with all your strength. And and you think of all that is there for us in the law. And if you're honest, you will freely admit, I have sinned and I fall so so short of fulfilling the law. Can't do it. I mean, you, you can look at yourself and boast in your own self saying, well, I, you know, I'm not as bad as some people. But I think I'm a pretty good person. I, you know, I've been married this long or I, you know, I've never done drugs or I've never you know, beat anybody. I've never been to jail. Here's the, you know, and you have your list of things that make you self-righteous. But I'll tell you, you're not even close. You're not even close. He fulfilled all of the law. He never sinned. Not only did he never sin, but he always did, always did that which was right. You look at the life of Christ, he always loved the Lord his God with all his heart, with all his soul, with all his mind, with all his strength. He always did those things that please the Father. From beginning to end, he fulfilled all of the law in its entirety. So when he's there upon the cross and he says, it is finished. The good news is that the law has been fulfilled in its entirety. As good as he could possibly be fulfilling all righteousness, always doing the things that please the Father. And he takes that and through faith in Christ, he places that upon your account. All of it. So the brokenness that gets into people's minds as far as, Okay, well, I got to do that. I probably have to do this, or I probably have to do that. I don't know. Has my life been good enough? You do know your life has not been good enough, but his has. I'll tell people when when there's a family member that, that, that passes away, and they pass away in the midst of sin, gross sin. But they were once walking with the Lord. You know they're believers. But they died in the midst of sin. The good news is that your salvation is not based on how you finished. It's just not based on how you finished. It's based on how he finished. And he finished perfectly. Perfectly. Christ conquered death so that we could be made alive. He conquered Satan 
Hebrews 2.14, And as much then as the children have partaken of flesh and blood, he himself likewise shared in the same, that through death he might, what? Destroy him who had the power of death. That is the devil. Destroy him who had the power of death. When he's there and he says, it is finished, we know that at that point, the one who had the power of death, Satan, has been destroyed. He will be bound. He will be thrown into the abyss. He still roams the earth, but the fact of the matter is this, is when he said it was finished, God conquered him. Conquered him. For us, brothers and sisters, this this matters to us. The understanding that little phrase, it is finished, is of utmost importance to you. Understanding that the price has been paid is of utmost importance to you. I was reading from Charles Spurgeon who preached on this particular text. He says here, Oh, poor hearts, some of you do love the Savior in a measure but blindly. You're thinking that you must be this and attain to that, and then you may be assured that you're saved. Oh, you may be assured of it today. If you believe in Christ, you are saved. He says, but you might say, but I feel imperfections. Yes, but what of that? God does not regard your imperfections, but he covers them with Christ's righteousness. He sees them to remove them, but not to lay them to your charge. Oh, but I, I cannot be what I would, would want to be. But he says, but what if you can't? Yet God does not look at thee and what thou art in thyself, but as what you are in Christ. He looks at you in Christ. He goes on from there, Spurgeon does, to talk about, come with me. He says, come with me. You and I will stand together this morning. And while the tempest gathers, and he says at that point, we're not afraid. He says, picture lightning, the sharpness of a lightning flash. You don't need to tremble. He says, picture how terrible it is, the peal of the thunder. But you don't need to be alarmed. It says, you're standing beneath the cross. It's like some kind of noble lightning conductor in a storm. You picture a, a, a lightning conductor, this rod that's sitting up there, and you can picture this rod that's sitting up there and it's just getting pounded by lightning. Pounded by it. And yet you're safe because you're beneath it. You're safe because it's taking all of it for you. And he says, the precious cross which like some noble lightning conductor in the storm, takes itself all the death from the lightning, all the fury from the tempest. We are safe. The the roar may be loud. The thunder of the law, it it, it may be loud. The flash may be terrible. The avenging justice, but we look up with calm delight for we're safe beneath the cross. We're safe there. You could picture all of God's wrath and the fierceness of the wrath of God as something more than any of us would ever want to face. 
It's real. He will throw people in hell for, our, for, for all eternity. It will happen. When it talks about the fierceness of the wrath of Almighty God, that's one of the most fearful things that you could ever imagine. Jonathan Edwards talks about it where he says, in Sinners in the Hands of an Angry God, he says, he talks about how it just, it's not just, I mean, the, the fierceness of the wrath. He could have just said the wrath, but he doesn't. He says the fierceness of the wrath. And it's not just the fierceness of the wrath, but it's, it's, it's worse. It's the fierceness of the wrath of Almighty God, Almighty God. And so when you start thinking about it, it just tr- causes you to tremble as far as thinking the fierceness of the wrath of Almighty God that will come upon those who are unbelievers for all eternity. And then you look at us, and when Jesus says, it is finished, it means this, the fierceness of the wrath of Almighty God was placed upon Christ on the cross like a lightning conductor pounding him. Darkness had already taken place on the earth for three hours. He had already said, my God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? All of our sin was placed upon him. Eternity in hell was placed upon him for us so that you and I would never face any of it. Any of it. Isn't that radical to think about? You will die and I will die as believers in the Lord Jesus Christ and you will be taken and and you will enter into the joy of the Lord immediately. You will be able to approach his throne boldly immediately. You'll be clothed with robes of righteousness immediately. You'll be washed as white as snow immediately. You'll be able to look upon the eyes of God, not as your judge, but as your Savior and as your Heavenly Father, as your Lord, as your God, immediately. There is no doing for us. There's no purgatory for us. There's no suffering for us. There's none of that because why? Because it is finished, done, finished, completed, satisfied. His wrath has been satisfied as it was placed upon Christ on the cross, and Christ cried out, it is finished. So if you're on some kind of performance treadmill, like I think I've done enough, I think I've done enough, I think I, I, maybe I lost my salvation here, and I need to go back up and, and recommit my life and do this, and I need to say the sinner's prayer again because this took place yesterday, and you're just doing this... Oh, brother, are you so foolish? Having begun in the Spirit, are you now trying to make yourself perfect in the flesh? You cannot. You don't need to. It is finished. The change that takes place for us when we sit on the other side of this saying, it is finished, there's rest and there's peace and there's joy and there's worship and there's a desire to go on missions trips and to love on the body and to forgive as we have been forgiven and to spend time in his word and to spend time in prayer and to give up our tithes and offerings and to, to minister to those that are in need and to stir up the gifts that are within us and to go to church and to be in fellowship and to do all of these things to love our wives and to love our husbands and to love our children and to raise them in the ways of the Lord and to just be there to having a mindset of I just want to glorify him and I want to please him and with all it is within me I want to just live for him and we do this on this side of the cross because we adore him and we love him and we worship him because it is finished it's not so that we can finish it 
It's not so that we can meet him halfway. It is because it is finished. Oh, if believers could get that. It is the greatest news that we could ever hear because it changes all of the rest of it. We live for him with just passion for him and love for him. We sing songs to him, not because we're trying to earn his favor. We sing songs to him because we love him and we adore him and we worship him. John Piper talks about missions. You think of missions. What, what is the fuel of missions? And he just says, worship is. Worship is. And he could go and say, what's the fuel of prayer? Worship. What is the fuel of loving our spouse? Worship. What's the fuel of whatever it is that we're doing? It's worship. It is because we adore him so much that we just we want to please him. We just want to please him. We just want to live for him because it is finished. He finished it. It takes us away from the law and causes us to enter into joy. You have been purchased. You have been reclaimed from sin, from death, from eternal damnation. The payment of his precious blood as a ransom to God has been paid in full, and it's finished. Will you try to improve on what Christ has already done? Think of how ridiculous that is. You picture Christ upon the cross as nails, he's got nails in his hands and in his feet. He's been spit upon, his beard's been plucked out, he's been punched over and over again. He's been whipped 39 times with a cat of nine tails. Darkness has covered the earth. There's a crown of thorns upon his head. All of the sin of the world has been placed upon him. And he has just said, I Thirst as his tongue is clinging to his jaws. And then he pushes up on that stake and says, it is finished. How absurd is it for us to be on the side of it and be like, well, he said that, but maybe I need to do my part. Maybe it wasn't enough. And maybe what he did was good, but I still, I got I to gotta do my good works. It's just absurd to think of such a thing. Will you try to clean yourself up before you come to Christ? Why? It's finished. Will you live in fear that you've lost your salvation? Why? He, he finished it. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believes in him will not perish but have everlasting life. It's by grace that you've been saved through faith. That not of yourselves. It's the gift of God lest anyone should boast. It's the gift of of God. It's finished. We come to him by faith in him alone, knowing that he finished the work for our salvation upon the cross, and it just changes everything for us. 
I know that there's Christians, and you heard, you heard Spurgeon hundreds of years ago say this in his sermon where he's just saying, like, you know, poor heart, some of you do love the Savior in measure, but blindly. I mean, you do love him, but you have no idea that it's finished. You're still thinking you got to do more stuff, and you don't. It's finished. Join with us on the other side of loving the fact that it's finished, and it will change everything in your Christian life. The joy of living for a God that has finished our salvation changes everything for us. And so, some of the greatest words that we could ever possibly hear came from that sixth utterance on the cross. So when Jesus had received the sour wine, he said, it is finished. And bowing his head, he gave up his spirit. Will you pray with me? Lord God, what an awesome thing it is to know that it's finished. All the prophecies, all the types, all the symbols, all of it came to fruition as you were there in the reality on the cross. All of our sins removed, adopted into your kingdom, being redeemed, being purchased, being reconciled, justified, Satan being destroyed, death being destroyed. Everlasting life becoming a reality. All of it because you were that lightning rod that took all of the wrath of Almighty God, the fierceness of the wrath of Almighty God upon himself. May today be a day where we adore you for that. If there's anybody here that's loved him, but loved him blindly because they didn't understand that it's finished, may today be a, a day in which oh, the weight is taken off and we adore you in a whole new way. And if there's those that are here this morning that don't know you, they're trying to do everything on their own to in some way earn favor with God. A religion that's just all about works. May today be the day in which they put their faith in you and find rest for their souls. Trusting in you that you have finished the work of salvation for them. Whosoever believes in you will not perish but have everlasting life. May, may that just, may today be the day of salvation for some of them. For all of them. Anybody in this congregation who yet is yet to believe. And for us as Christians here, us who, who, who have not believed blindly, but we, we know that it's finished, may the reminder this morning be such that just oh, don't let us reply with just half-hearted adoration. May we, with all that is within us, bless your holy name on this morning.
And all his people said, amen.